Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. This is Monday, April the 19th, 2021. This is England is Burning, and this is your Manchester United weekly feature. Uh, it has been a very crazy 24 hours in the football soccer world. It's been totally insane. Twitter is broken. It's just broken right now uh, with all of the feedback of everything that is uh, been happening in the last 12 to 24 hours, and it continues to evolve on a second-by-second -second basis uh, and so forth. But we are here to do the Manchester United feature. We have Mark back from the Barmy Army to talk about the United ladies and their win on in the FA Cup, their upcoming match against Tottenham. And we're going to talk, uh, talk a little bit about the Super League uh, proposal and what it may or may not have an effect on the women's game at all. Uh, Mark, welcome back to the show. Hi, Keith. Thanks for having me back. All right. Um, you're welcome. Nice to have you as always. So, yes, let's start with Burnley. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I will say that usually I do not have to crank up my VPN uh, <laughs> to watch uh, anyone play, uh, for that matter. But uh, I did have to uh, crack it open yesterday as I found out that you know the match the FA Cup fourth round against Burnley at Burnley uh, was going to be on MUTV uh, but it was only for UK audiences so I had to pretend that um, I lived in London and I y'all I don't your accent my accent should tell you that I don't live in in London I live in the south in the US but I pretended I even took a picture of my London studio uh, as I'm watching PSG and Lyon and United against Burnley so I did get to uh, watch this match um, the the first thing I thought of was number one the camera angles were horrible uh, yeah. I felt like they were playing in a fog uh, then secondly uh, the pitch was looked just terrible. That ball, like it looked like that ball was just bouncing all over a bunch of gravel uh, throughout this match, and 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 it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Okay, uh, it was that was not pretty uh, to watch. So tell us about uh, your thoughts about the Burnley match, and it ended up being six nil United, which I guess was pretty well expected. But what were your thoughts and reactions to the match? Uh, well, I'll, I'll start with the comment that, that, that you made about the game only being shown in the UK or you could buy it through uh, Clarets Plus, the Burnley. Mm, yeah, TV. Burnley's, yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think it cost a, a pound to buy any. And we, uh, mm -hmm. there's people in the States who purchased Clarets Plus and it worked completely perfectly well. So um, I have um, I have no problem with how it was shown yesterday. I have a major problem with it's the FA Cup, it's the FA's mm -hmm. women's um, crowning jewel, if you, mm -hmm. if you can say it that way. And it wasn't being shown on the FA player. It yes. wasn't, and and um, I think that upset more people than, than not. Mm -hmm. This is the FA Cup. It's not, with all due respect to the Continental Cup, it, it's not that big. This is the FA Cup. It's... it's Mm -hmm. In women's football in the UK, it's the club, it's the trophy everyone wants to win. Um, so there was a there was a disappointing element in that, and the fact that it was left till Friday afternoon for both Burnley and United to announce what was happening, you know, would have probably upset some people. But in the on the flip side of that, I had no issue paying my pound to Clarets Plus because the money would go to Burnley. 
and Burnley are a, a small club and for everyone who paid the pound, it probably helps helps mm-hmm. them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards to the game, completely honest and being honest with you, Keith, I was kind of surprised with how strong the starting eleven was. I, I wasn't expecting it to be that strong. I was expecting it, you know, maybe Fran Bentley to, to start in goal, give her give her mm-hmm. a game. Maybe Tara Bourne and, and Carrie Jones to get a full um, 90 minutes. Um, and then, yeah, I expected um, Kirsty, I, I kind of expected Kirsty Smith to start, but I would have thought the players who had been on internationals would have been given a, a, a proper rest, like the likes of Ella Toon, who played for mm-hmm. England. And, um, but I, the, the starting level when it came out, yeah, it, it surprised me. Um, the pitch, which you you make mentioned of, it was um, what I like. I like that kind. I like a little pitch like that when it's got a little bit of sand in it. When mm-hmm. the ball bubbles yeah. a little bit, it's um, as much as you like playing on a you know crystal green piece of grass. Sometimes those pitches uh, make for a, a better spectacle. So the pitch mm-hmm. was the pitch, um, mm-hmm. but the most important thing was a win yesterday. Just just because we've had such a bad run of form recently and, and to get some goals for some of the players, it was a good thing. Yeah, it was, it. I, I was very surprised um, in the lineup that Casey put out there uh, yesterday, um, basically putting out all starters pretty much uh, yeah. and a very, very strong team, uh, you know, and, and I look at that in retrospect of looking at how Chelsea approached, you know, their FA cup match, which is basically now understandably they were playing a couple of days earlier and the players that they would have been, that would have been in their starting lineup just came back from international duty. So I kind of understand, but with the big matches for them coming up also, I could see how Emma Hayes for Chelsea would then put in a pretty rotated lineup, but, um, and in Manchester City in their FA Cup match, they put in the, the strongest, pretty much the strongest team possible that they could put out there. Uh, and then United did the same. Um, and but I was pretty surprised by that, um, given their opponent, given the given the situation. Why do you think Casey made the choice to put in a, a, that strong of a lineup for this match? Um, I, I think probably for for one of two reasons. Um, one, the players. I mean, you, you, I'm not going to make excuses. I think, you know, one of the things I've always done since I've come on here is that I've always spoken what I believe. We are, we've got an injury nightmare. There's no, no other way around it. You know, we've got Leah Golton out, L, Lauren James is out, Tobin is now out for the rest of the season, Ivana Fuso's out. We've got an injury crisis. I think, I, I don't think I'll be doing any injustice by calling it a crisis. So we are down to the bare bones of the squad. So I think what Casey had to do and, and she did it, is play her strongest team, get three, four, five goals up, and then make a lot of substitutions and, and give them a rest. Um, but the other side to that, the other reason why I think she played a, a stronger eleven is the FA Cup, especially on the men's side, in the earlier rounds, when the, when the big teams come in at the third round, there's a thing called giant killing, where a smaller team will beat a, a big established name. And I don't think Casey wanted to be the big established name that was beaten with all mm-hmm. due respect to mm-hmm. Burnley by a team in the national, in the national league. Right. So right. I, I think there was what, there was one of two, re- I think there was probably one of the, those two reasons was, was at it, but um, 
yeah, you've got to play the team you've got. And I think right now, as you saw by our subs bench, I think we only named five, maybe mm-hmm. six, on, uh, five or six on the bench. We are down mm-hmm. to the ball bench. So you've got to play your strongest 11 and, and then, you know, hope, hope you can get them off as soon as you can. And certainly if that was the plan, the plan worked perfect and perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> the plan worked perfectly because they, yeah. um, they, they're the the the. I mean, no, again, you know, no offense to Burnley whatsoever, but you know, the gap in you know just talent and skill set was you know apparent from the first minute, uh, in terms of you know passing, defense, tactics, movement, all of it was 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 pretty clear. So it was really just a matter of time you know, when the first goal was going to come in and then the second and the third. What is that what you thought? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think the other the other thing that, that you can't ignore as a factor is that Burnley this is I think Burnley's third game mm-hmm. since since they've restarted. And the previous two games in the FA Cup, they've both gone to extra time and extra time and penalties. So they've played, you know, a hundred you know, about two hundred and forty minutes of football mm-hmm. before they got to us. And and these players aren't full time. They will have jobs Monday to Friday, and um, they will train at night. And and mm-hmm. that, that's also you've got to take in as a factor. But Burnley, you know, I can't, I'm not going to take. Any, you know, United played really well, but Burnley, it, the, the score should, in my opinion, six flattered Burnley. I think we mm-hmm. created enough chances potentially to score more, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, it put Burnley. You know, Burnley are a, a, a team who who have got aspirations to get to the Super Women's Super League, and um, I, I probably think that they they will do it in their time plan. I think they've said they've got they want to do it within five years. Um, but Burnley, they, they put up a good show. But then, like as you said, once we got the first, I was then waiting for the second, the third, the fourth, fifth, the sixth. Well, and the other credit I want to give to Burnley is they hung in there. They fought hard. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't give up. I mean, and they, they, they tried to take their chances. They tried to, you know, they, they tried to take advantage of any mistakes that were made on the United side, which were a few, there were a few errors in the back and they had an opportunity for a break at one point that was closed down uh, before it caused any more significant trouble. Uh, uh, but in the end, at the end of the day, you know, it was up, I mean, by the time they were up four or five nil, you know, it was time to make the substitutions and get some players onto the pitch that we normally would not have, um, yeah. you know, otherwise, which if that was indeed the plan, the plan came off absolutely perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, I, the other idea of having a, such a strong lineup is, is, you know, is bring the team back together in a competitive, in a quote competitive match yeah. uh, coming out of an international break, being together, getting back into this, into the, into the flow of things again and, and then preparing for next week against, um, you know, a, a Tottenham side when, you know, that is, you know, important for finishing out the season well. And uh, so, you know, get through this match then qualify for the next round, which would be after the, the WSL season ends, um, you know, going to the fifth round. Um, and then you got two WSL matches coming up to close the, you know, close out the league season. So it was sort of important to get everyone together. Any standout performances? Uh, I mean, there were many, uh, in my opinion, but any standout performances on your, on from the United end that caught your eye? I mean, honor, honor in the first half. I think she was playing as a as a right forward. I don't think mm-hmm. she was defending very much. She was, and I think Honor was just shooting on sight. Um, honor, I thought Honor was was was. 
probably our standout player. I, you know, an, an honourable mention to Kirsty Hansen. It was a birthday mm-hmm. weekend. Um, mm-hmm. She scored two two great goals. Um, she played. It, 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 I don't want to do the team injustice. I it's very difficult for to, to say someone who didn't play well, but you've also got to look at the the the, the opponents in front of you. Um, defensively, we weren't. We weren't really bothered. I don't. Mary didn't have a save to. I can't think Mary had a mm-hmm. save to make. No. Um, and then, I mean, that shows you when you can take off your number one and bring on Fran Bentley as a sub. You know, mm-hmm. it shows how comfortable we were. Um, I think most of the team played well, but you know, standout for me was was definitely Anna. I think Anna has I. I Anna has been probably has exceeded expectations since she's come on board with United, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yesterday in the watch-along, as we were watching it, someone had said that that she just keeps impressing us week in, week out. Her work rate is second to none. And, and mm-hmm. For me, what I like about Honor is, is that she does the defensive side really well, mm-hmm. but she also does the attacking side just as well. Um I, I mean, I, I would like to see a play. Pretend, you know, if you were to ever change a formation and um, to play on her as kind of like a wing back to give her more freedom up front, but mm-hmm. she can also be the defensive side. I'd just like to see her in, in that kind of role to see to see her true capabilities. But um, she she impresses week in week out without question. Yeah, I, I had um, I, I rarely, if ever, make comparisons to the to the men's teams, but but I kind of was thinking like, you know, what if she was like a, a Luke Shaw, you know, uh, you yeah. know, you know, it took a you know, be able to do you know, handle both ends of it yeah. uh, of offensively and defense. And I think this was this match actually to me when I was watching it, I was like, I was kind of reminded of that. And it seemed like, yeah, this, this is a good opportunity for a little bit of experimentation. Like, let's see her on the ball some more let's see her create plays let's see her be a playmaker uh and so forth and so um you know so it's it's you know i and and that seemed to work out and it was a good opportunity to do that and maybe that's something that they've been working on in training is yeah. you know bring you know because i think you know i think casey's and we've talked about this you know, i think casey's strategy has always been defense first like yeah. let's make sure that we don't create, give up any major opportunities. Let's you know shut it down and you know keep a clean sheet, close down opportunities, keep them the other team getting goal chances, and then keeping them from converting those goal chances if they do get them. And so the onus of that is that solid back four. But then when you have then the next step is that is to have everybody involved in the buildup of play, uh, and you know and and certainly own a you know, would be a big component of that on a, you know, in her position, uh, you know, if, you know, given the opportunity and maybe this was something been worked on and worked on and worked on, mm-hmm. and maybe this was the, the, the plan to like, in a game like this, let's see what happens. Let's see what we can do with it. Um, right. And it was really, fun. it was really fun to watch. I like to see players like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, both, I mean, yesterday, a lot of the, the limelight was on, on it uh, because of the way she played, but you had, Kirsty Smith on the other side doing exactly mm-hmm. the same. It's yes, just yes. It, it's just that yesterday, and you mentioned the the, the camera angles. You could only see Honor because she was on the she was on that side. She was on that side. <laughs> you know, Kirsty Smith was doing. You know that this was Kirsty Smith's first game back since since injury. 
And she played, you know, just as well. You've got someone like um, Lucy Staniforth, who for every game she started, you just see her getting better and better and better. Um, but when you talk about training, Katie would have probably been trying a couple of things out and she wanted the full-backs, both the full-backs to push on. And yesterday, mm-hmm. Honour was the, you know, she was, at some point, she was further forward than most. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And um, and so there's certainly uh, opportunities there. And, and Christian also on the other end was um, special. But yeah, you're right about the camera angles. The camera angles made it difficult to see the other side and what was happening um, and so forth. So, but it was 6-0. Um, who, uh, who is United facing in the fifth round? Uh, Leicester. Leicester, okay. That's going to be interesting. That's an yeah. interesting match. Leicester, you know, uh, I'm much praised to them. They've qualified for the WSL, winning the championship, and so they're yeah. in it. So this is that will be a very interesting match. It, it will be a very interesting match, but, you know, Man United, Man sat right here, would have preferred Liverpool, just because it's your Liverpool <laughs> right. um, right. I, I can't deny that. I think right. most, of, most of us would have wanted Liverpool because it is Liverpool. Um, Leicester... Mm-hmm. Leicester will be a very interesting game on in on, in May, the last week uh, in middle weekend in May. Um, we've got a very very good record against Leicester, uh, both in league and cup competitions. I think the last time we played them was in the Conti Cup uh, last season. I think we beat them eleven one. Um, so we've got a, a, a good. I don't think it'll be. I'm going to say this now. It won't be eleven one in the FA Cup. I would love it. No, to be. really, not. <laughs> Um, I don't think it will be, but it'll be um, a, a really competitive game. That Leicester, you know, the champions of the championship, they're coming into the Super League. Um, they'll want to strengthen their team for, for next season. And we want to go on into, uh, you know, Case will want to go on and have a good cup run. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a, an interesting game. I'm just, if I'm being honest, I'm just a little upset it's not Liverpool. <laughs> But, you know, we can't have it our own way. Leicester will just have to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure you all be happy to face Leicester. But but when you had the opportunity to take on Liverpool in any situation, uh, you you certainly, I know you all want to definitely have that as a have that as an option um, and so forth. So, all right. So closing the book on the FA Cup, moving forward, United is in the fifth round. They're going to get take Leicester on um, and so forth, which I think will be an interesting match when we get to it. So this coming weekend, United plays. Spurs. Um, and is that a home game? Or is that yeah, at Spurs? Okay. It's at Lee. All right, cool. All right. So Tottenham currently sits in eighth place in the WSL. They have 14 points. They are not too far. They're actually closer to the drop zone than they are, are to seventh, which is where Reading sits at the moment. So what are your thoughts and expectations about Tottenham going forward at Lee? Um I, I, I don't think any th- there's United fans out there who want us to finish third. Can mm-hmm. we finish third? Yeah, it, it is possible, but mm-hmm. it's not in our hands. It's in Arsenal's hands. What happens if if they if they slip up in their game in hand? Tottenham will be a, a tough game because, as you said, they're closer to the relegation than they are at the next spot. Um, but we play. We usually. 
We usually beat Tottenham. We've got a very good record against them. I don't think we've ever lost to Tottenham through the Championship season or even the Super League mm -hmm. season. So I expect the game United should win. But every time I've said that, they've gone on to either draw or lose. Mm -hmm. um, oh, you know, I, I, I hope we win. Mm -hmm. I hope we do. But if we don't, we don't. I, the season's been long and tough, but I expect mm -hmm. I, I expect a United win. I'm, I'm going to be honest. And it, that was a it was a really tough match. Uh, the first match of the season against Tottenham, it was I think believe one nil. Uh, yeah. And United, it, they you know Tottenham played very stout defensively. They were very resolute. They were very organized defensively. And I think that would probably be their plan going into into this weekend's match as well. Is, is that's pretty much been their plan uh, most of the time. However, the thing with Spurs is is recently their recent matches they've really kind of fallen off. You know, and, and they haven't been as organized. They haven't been as resolute. They haven't been as energized. Seem to be kind of down on themselves a little bit uh, as the season has kind of drawn drawn on. And they've gotten where they were kind of stronger to begin with. They kind of gotten closer and closer and closer to the drop as the season has moved on, uh, and so forth. Where they played a very played tough played opponents very very tough. They played United very tough. I think United had to. I think uh, Tobin Heath ended up scoring late. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in, in like 70th minute, 78th minute yeah. uh, to, to win 1-0. It was a very tough match that United was able to win. Um, I think it's going to be a different match because Tottenham, you know, a lot of people that I've been talking to about Tottenham as their teams have been play, playing them were kind of disappointed in them in Spurs because they weren't playing as resolutely as as organized and, and so forth as they had, you know, seen previously in the season. I mean, currently United is fourth in the league in creating goal opportunities. They're fourth in the the league in uh, fourth best in the league in um, defensive uh, conceding goal opportunities, but Tottenham is eighth in the league in creating opportunities for goals, and they are sixth and uh, sixth defensively. Uh, so United is better on the defensive side and on the offensive side in terms of you know uh, creating scoring opportunities, and you know uh, also United is eighth, but right now sits eighth in the league. Out of 12 teams, United is eighth in the league in converting goal opportunities into goals. Yeah. And that's been a fall off. They were up in three and four. They have fallen out, fallen off recently. And then we know why, you know, we, you know, we know why injuries and, and, and so forth have played a big part in that. But Tottenham, though, is second to last in converting goal opportunities. Uh, on the defensive side, however, United is second best in stopping teams from converting their goal opportunities all credit to the defense and uh tottenham is ninth the stats indicate show that united should win this and they're at home they're at lee that's what the stats say but when yeah. you play the match it could be something totally different it could be another one nil absolutely and you know i used when uh, i mean you know we when we did the the derby preview i said any you know take the stats throw them out the window anything can happen it's football. Anything can happen. Right. Spurs have um, Spurs have a have a pedigree. Maybe not so much mm -hmm. in the women's game. They're kind of a new team, like United. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And they brought in the beginning of the season. They, they, they brought in Alex Morgan. You know, she, but she was only here six months, and I think mm -hmm. she scored a couple of goals, and both those mm -hmm. were penalties. She never actually played a full ninety minutes. Spurs. Spurs are trying to whether they're trying to build for the future. I, 
I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about. I don't obviously watch Spurs enough to comment on them. But what they what they did against United in the Championship season is that they ran us very close to winning the Championship, and they are mm-hmm. they, at the time they 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 built from the back and they, they had a very good team. Uh, the goal, you know, they've got Aurora Mickelson in in the Spurs side, ex United. They've got some very good players, but you know they've also just they've changed the manager as well. They've lost the manager midway through the season. Mm-hmm. It will be a tough game. But as you said, Keith, the stats say United should win, and I I agree with that because I think we should win. But it's it depends on the player. You know, I think there's certain teams and certain players who will look at the fixture list and go, "We're playing Man United. That's the game I want to play well in," and they'll get themselves so up for the game mm-hmm. that the game they'll have a, a a brilliant brilliant game against us, and you might find the goalkeeper. Or if it's say Aurora in goal, mm-hmm. she might say, "They let me go. They're not getting past me today. I'm mm-hmm. having the game of my life to show them what what I've lost." These are the things that I love about football because, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday, for example, we all wanted United to beat Burnley in mm-hmm. the in the FA Cup, and it happened. But Burnley would have wanted to beat United just mm-hmm. as much. And mm-hmm. that's what I love about about the game. You can you can't call these games as easily as you thought you could do. And I think the, the Spurs will be wanting to beat United, but there's a, the other side to that is that they won't want to beat us because that hands Arsenal third, and they're the biggest rivals. They're big mm-hmm. rivals as well. So um, it'll be a tough game, but United should. win easily. Yeah, I think it'll be a tough game, and I, I, I but I do predict it will be another one nil. Uh, I, I do predict that it would be one nil, but the, you know, the magic of football is, is that you can in most of the time you can throw the stats out the window. Uh, yeah. I love stats because it gives me, you know, it, it confirms the eye test for me because yeah. I don't, I don't trust my eyes as much uh, yeah. as I should, uh, to be honest with you. So I look at subjectively and objectively yeah. and subjectively, United is a better team, but, you know, but there are a lot of other variables that play into it as far as, you know, how the team feels coming in, how, what they're thinking going in. And, and you're right. Yeah. T- you know, Tottenham, certainly the, you know, Tottenham would love to knock, you know, knock off a United, knock off an Arsenal, knock off a, a City, uh, you know, or a Chelsea if given the opportunity. Um, yeah. Do they have the talent to do it? You know, they can. I think anybody, pretty much anybody in the league can beat anybody, you know, at, at this point, which is how, this is where the league is at now. You couldn't say that about the league a while ago, and you couldn't, and you can't say that about some of the other leagues in Europe as well. Uh, and yeah, you're right, y'all, we're going to get to Europe in a minute. But, um, but with that being said, you know, um, that's why the first goal is important. Yeah. Because if Tottenham somehow keep United from scoring, which is what happened at Spurs the first time, that's going to give them confidence pushing forward. It's going to give them confidence that they can get something out of this match. If they get down early, then I think their confidence can be weakened uh, and so forth. Um, I'm trying to choose my words a little bit carefully because you saw that happen with Arsenal with them. You saw it happen with City with them. You've seen it happen where, where Tottenham, when they get down that first two goals down, then the dominoes start beginning to fall and lose confidence in themselves uh, and, and so forth. So the first goal, when it happens, is going to be important. So I am going to say 1-0 to United moving forward yeah, and that. So 
Let's take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a deep breath. All right. I promised. So if y'all were not living, unless y'all were living, uh, living under a tree or a rock or in a, a cave near Stone Mountain, uh, the news hit at an odd time on a Sunday night. And I the planning was perfectly uh, on this, I think, that the idea on the, on of a European Super League. Now, this announcement came out of like a charter founding members, like the founding fathers or some nonsense like that. But okay, 12 founding teams. And if you look at the Forbes list of the richest teams in the world, all of them are on the 12 founding team list. So you have six. And, and so let's, let's bring it to England. So the six teams is the big, the, the big six of England, you know, in this founding of 12. Uh, so you have Chelsea, Manchester city, Arsenal, Manchester United, um, and Tottenham. And who am I leaving out? Liverpool. Liverpool, right. Because Liverpool is not in the WSL. That's why I'm leaving them out. Ha. Okay. <laughs> but you have the, the the top six who who are who've decided, along with three teams in Italy and three teams in Spain. Of course, the the, the top big three of the Spanish football: Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, and um, Real Madrid. And then the big three of Italy: Juventus, Milan, and um, AC Milan come together. And three very interesting three other little slots. For three other teams, I wonder who those three could go to. Uh, you know, because you don't have a French team in there, and you don't have the two best teams in uh, top clubs in the world from a money standpoint from Germany. So they want to create a super league where on midweek they have a league where they separate have twenty teams. Like so, so you have basically fifteen teams based on historical whatever greatness or historical productivity, as I would like to call it. Uh, and then you have five extra teams that are come in as an invite because I guess they're nice. Uh, and then they get to break it up into 10 groups of 10. And then they compete midweek uh, against each other. And then the top you know, three or four in each go to a quarterfinal. And then you have this European Super League championship or whatever. Now, this is meant to uh, take the place of the Champions League and the Europa League and so forth, of course. So U- UEFA and FIFA have very strong language against it, as well as the Premier League. Uh, but this has destroyed Twitter. It's, Twitter has been literally, I mean, our show is called England is Burning, but Twitter has been destroyed. I mean, it's been, it's been burning. It's been on fire from fans for the last 12 hours um, ongoing. I think overnight, maybe there is, you know, maybe some firefighters came and put some of it out, but it just got back up again. Fans are enraged because in there, in the rage seems to be coming from the idea that you have this, the super rich who the super rich teams who decided to create a closed system to essentially protect their the top of the pyramid. And in their statement, they talked a lot about the idea of protecting the, the pyramid of European football, and, and which I thought was a disgraceful statement. Uh, because all this really does, in reality, is protect the tip of the European pyramid, which is where they are. And that these teams, it's a closed system. It's a franchise system. It's an American model created by American owners. And it's 
thrusted upon the European continent. Uh, it kind of like MLS, where in MLS here in the United States, you know, you buy into it. You just buy into the league and there's no promotion. There's no relegation. You are there in perpetuity and whatever money comes through, you keep it. You don't rise into it. You don't rise into the MLS and you, and you certainly don't rise to become a regular member of the Super League as it's proposed. So essentially, it is designed to protect the tip of the pyramid. Um, I mean, I can go on and on and on, but Mark, what's your, what was your reaction when you heard this news? Manchester United, yes, is one of the founding members. What was your, what was your take on it and when you initially heard? Um, I, I agree with the, the timing of it seemed weird. But then when you hear there's a UEFA meeting today about the uh, reformation of the Champions League, it kind of makes sense in a way. The timing to get like, out ahead of it against UEFA. I I understand the logic behind it. I do. I'm neither for it nor against it because we don't know what the product, as I said to you before we came on, what this product mm-hmm. is going to look like. We don't know whether it's going to work or not. Those are questions that, you know, will be answered if and when it starts. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 twelve big clubs. Yeah, okay. I understand United being in there. Obviously, I understand Chelsea. I understand Arsenal, Liverpool. I get. I, I kind of have an issue with Spurs because I don't understand why and how they're in there, but they're, they're there. Then, yeah, like you said, you've got the Milan's, Juventus's, you've got the Reals, and Barcelona and Atletico. These are the 12 big... Take away Spurs just just for a minute. These are the biggest clubs in the world. You know, you can go anywhere in the world and you can see people wearing those shirts of those clubs. You then, like you said, though, you're missing PSG are not in there, as are Bayern and, and Borussia Dortmund. Do I think those clubs will eventually come into it? Yeah, I, 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 I do. The, the problem I think a lot of people have got with it is that they're saying that the, 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 this decision has been made without the input of the fans. Now, mm-hmm. I get that point, but as I said to you off camera, for everyone I know, and there has been quite a few on Twitter who have said I'm against it, as fans were forgotten, I guarantee you two things. And I said to you, one, they will still renew their season tickets at Old Trafford, and two, if and when this Super League starts, they will still apply and go to the games. So you can't have it both ways. The the, the bit about the pyramid, yeah, I understand the, the point of view. But as Keith, as you and I have spoken about before, football is a business. It is a money-making business. And these clubs, they, they, they see they can make money. Now... Mm-hmm. No, I I would rather in in the Champions League for me the men's side. It's not the Champions League. It's whoever finishes the fourth in the league is in the Champions League. I don't. I have an issue with that. I don't understand why they're in there. I understand if you if you win your league, you're in it. If you win Europa League, you're in it. I get all those. I agree with all those. But the clubs now, most of the clubs don't have the power. And I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, the players have power. Most mm-hmm. players now will only come to a club if they can guarantee them mm-hmm. European football. Mm-hmm. When I was 
when I was growing up, the FA Cup was the competition all English teams wanted to win. It was that bit of prestige, that bit of, you know, that, that day out at Wembley. The FA Cup is in now is the forgotten trophy here. Because most players won't go to a team like United or City to win the FA Cup. They will only go to these teams to win the Champions League. But on a selfish point of view of these players, using Cristiano Ronaldo as, 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 as an example, when we bought Cristiano Ronaldo, he was an unknown kid who had the potential of being the best player in the world. And he came to United and he proved he was the best player at United. And he said he would only want to leave United for one club, and that was Real Madrid. Most players want to go and play for the big European clubs. The scouting system, you know, they can send players over. But on a selfish point of view, if you can play these teams, you know, week in, week out, it puts them in the shop window. It gets them potentially a move that they potentially would want over staying at United after they've done, you know, the one things or a city. It puts them in the window. So on a selfish point of view for the players, they might go, yeah, I like this idea because I can maybe get a move to a Real Madrid or a Juventus or a Bayern or a PSG if they come into it. The, the concept is good. I just think what's angered a lot of people is the timing. It came out yesterday. And from a United point of view, and I'm a United fan, a, a lot of that flack it was aimed, it put, I think, was aimed at United yesterday because it just so happened that when this announcement was made, United were playing Burnley. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm neither for it nor against it because it's going to happen whether I like it or not. So I can either get on board and accept it or I can not go to Old Trafford anymore. I, I, I just think emotions right now of, of this whole thing are very raw. And as you said correctly, it's changing minute by minute by minute. One minute, mm-hmm. this thing's happening. You know, this morning, you know, uh, United, I think Juventus and one of the Milan teams, they've all stood down from the UEFA Council. Mm-hmm. But, what you, but what's very interesting on the other side of this is that if UEFA expand the Champions League, then you might find these 12 clubs will go, well, actually, well, let's see how this expansion goes. And then we'll drop this. Mm-hmm. But these are all questions that we, we don't know. And it, as you said, it, it's changing minute by minute by minute. While we've been on here for like 40 odd minutes, it's probably changed again. Right, right. So here, here's, here's my thing. So I have no issue with anyone making money. I have no issue with that at all. I have none. The question really then comes down to is how you make your money. Now, do you make your money in an open, free system that is open, that rewards success in the moment, and then you earn your place moving forward as a club, as an organization, as a business? When you create this, which is essentially a closed system that is not free and open, it is based on historical factors quote-unquote historical, because you mentioned Spurs, we don't need to talk about their cabinet of trophies or that thereof. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I don't know that they haven't won a trophy in decades on the men's side or on any side for that matter. So this isn't this that's my problem is they're making money in a closed system and then lying to us about it about it being good for the rest of football because then it protects the pyramid which they are at the top of. Again, it's a closed system. And yeah, there's teams that will come in on invite where based on some type of merit which hasn't been decided, they will they get to be invited in. But the money that these teams are automatically going to get from JP Morgan just to join, just to be a founding member, 450 million pounds just to join. Not not by winning it to join it so it is not it it is crony capitalism it is you know um and and that's what it is and so that's where the war is the war is is the foundation and history of football and why people love football so much versus the crony capitalists that have now taken over these top teams. If you look at the Forbes list, I keep mentioning it. You look at the Forbes list. Number 20 is Ajax, not mentioned. Number 19, Leicester City in England, not mentioned. West Ham United is 18th, not mentioned. They're not a member of the big six. 17, AS Roma, not mentioned. 16, then you have AC Milan. 15, you have Emerton, English team, not mentioned. 14, you have Inter. They're in. 13, Atletico Madrid. They're in. 12, Borussia Dortmund. German team, 50 plus one and so forth. Not in yet. All right. 11, Juventus. In. 10, Tottenham. Tottenham, who has not won a trophy in decades. The only reason why they're here is because they're 10th on the Forbes list of biggest teams by money. They Their valuation is $2.3 billion. 42% increase since the last survey. That's the only reason why they're there. They're not there on merit on the pitch. They're there because they have money. That's the only reason. Ninth is PSG, not there yet. Eight is Arsenal. Okay. Arsenal, I can make a somewhat of a better case for, but I think the same rules apply. Since Wegner left, they've been nothing. The only reason why they're enlisted is their valuation is $2.8 billion. Seventh is Chelsea. Okay, we can talk about Chelsea. Chelsea doing quite well right now. Three point two billion valuation. Number seven, number six is Manchester City. Mm, okay, state run. Blah, you know the the whole that that's crony capitalism at its best right there. Five is Liverpool. They're in. Four is United. They're in. Three Bayern Munich. Not in yet. So the number three team in the list is not in. Uh, yeah, second Real and one is Barcelona. So basically you might as well just rename this the Forbes Super League because that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. You, you can't be on, you can't be in the Forbes Super League without being in the top 15 uh, teams in, in terms of valuation. None of these teams made it onto this league by merit on the pitch. They made it because they're on this list and their valuation is high and their level of debt currently is 6.9 billion pounds. So they need 450 million. They all need 450 million overall. Okay. So there was a comment in the, in what that was made uh, in terms of the, uh, the super league's statement moving forward saying that once they get the men's 
competition off the ground, that they're going to have a concurrent women's competition. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they made a special, uh, you know, statement to say there will be a women's competition. I guess they cannot call it the Women's Super League. We already have that. They're going to have to change the name. I, I, I will propose it'll be the Forbes uh, Women's League or something like that if they do it. So how does this, knowing that they might be, they're proposing the ideas, they're going to do their own Women's Super League. How do you think this affects the women's game at all? Um, so last week England played uh, Canada in an international friendly and at half time on the BBC uh, Baroness Campbell Baroness Campbell was interviewed and she's the head of the women's FA mm-hmm. and she made some very um, very outright statements of where she wants the women's game to go and one of the statements she made was she wants the women's game <clears throat> here in the UK to be sustainable without the help of the men's teams. So what she means by that is she wants United women to have their own, for what better purpose, bank account and everything. Mm-hmm. So if they go out and buy, I don't know, let's let's pick a player. Um, I, I, you, they can go out and buy that money, buy that player themselves out of their own fund rather than mm-hmm. going to the men's side and buying it through the men's fund. Now, mm-hmm. with the concept of the Super League and, and you know, the statement of what they've written about the women's game is that there's no other de- more details come out since then. Mm-hmm. But, but what I, I, I will say about it is that, as I said about the men's side, we don't know whether it's going to be good or bad. But if you're looking at it from a women's perspective for the women's game there's automatically two massive pros for it. One, the money side, that makes these clubs on an individual basis more sustainable by themselves. They don't have to go to the parent club, potentially, and and say, I want a million pounds to go and buy Kristen Press or Tobin Heath. With this money, they will have the money that will sustain them by themselves. The second thing that Baroness Campbell said, is that we need to get the game out to more people. Well, if you have a game of Manchester United playing a Barcelona or a Juventus, whether it's men's, women's, under-18s, under-23s, even under-5s, you will sell tickets to that game. So that, on the other side of it, it gets the game more publicity. It gets the game out there for more people to see, which has got, which is the aim of the women's, you know, which is the aim here. We want to get the game out to more people. Will it impact? We don't know. It, we, we, the answer is we just simply don't know. But when you have an opportunity to play the best teams in the world, you, you, you would be foolish not to. I agree with you. The Forbes list is, is a major is a major part of it. Yes, JP Morgan, they, they've put the money into bankrolling it. But at the same time, going back to the, the whole onset of it, in the early 90s and probably into the 2000s, there was a call from you know, Glasgow Rangers and Glasgow Celtic to break away from the SPL and join the Premier League or the, the Championship. That was quashed. 
you know, no disrespect to most to, to the other teams. You know who's going to win the Scottish League. It's only going to be a Rangers or a, mm-hmm. a Celtic. You probably know who's going to be around for the La Liga. You know who's going to be around for Serie A. You know who's going to be around for the Bundesliga. You, the, the Premier League is the one where the, there's five teams who, who can win it. In, in, on the women's side, in the Super League, yeah, you've got the big three. Chelsea, Arsenal, City. United have put themselves in there as a fourth team, potentially third. But for the, re- you know, for the rest of Europe, the women's game is big in France. You know, the shock of uh, Lyon going out of the Champions League this weekend, that sent shockwaves around. Mm-hmm. But as I said to you previously, most players will want to play for big clubs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no club bigger in the women's game than, than Olympic Lyon. So what mm-hmm. you might find is that one of the invites is for Lyon to come in and then the players can play against the best players in the world. You know, as we've been talking you know, UEFA have said players who play in the Super League won't be able to play for the national teams anymore. This is constantly changing. The players mm-hmm. might, what they might find now is that the, the players might revolt against it again. No, I want to mm-hmm. play in the World Cups. I want to play in these tournaments. It's, it's going to be constantly changing. But for the uh, on the women's side, they will say it's going to give us more publicity, more money, and probably higher to higher attendances for these games. Is that a bad thing for the women's game? Most people might say, no, it's a really good thing. But then you'll have the, the, the then you'll have the, the purists saying, win your league first, get into your the major competition by winning your league. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those things where I can see the pros for the women's side going into it. And also the cons. But uh, as I've said, Keith, this decision will be happening whether I like it, whether you like it, whether anyone likes it or not. And unfortunately, money talks. And it, it, mm-hmm. it, it always talks. You know, you talk about the Forbes list and the sponsors. United, one of their sponsors is Collar on their shirt mm-hmm. sleeve. Mm-hmm. Collar pay more for that small part of the shirt than most other Premier League teams have their main sponsors off. United don't need the money. I, I think we've always made that point. United don't need the money. They need to clear a debt, clearly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they don't need the money. I, I think the, there's a wrestling of power within football, whether it be from FIFA or UEFA or, or these or these founding clubs, as it's being called. There's a wrestling of power. And I think the way... UEFA throughout the pandemic have acted has probably pushed this on sooner than was probably it was going to happen. Ultimately, it was going to happen. I think we all have to have a, a, a part of us that go, yeah, it was going to happen at some point. But I think the way UEFA have acted, and, and you know, UEFA and FIFA, you know, they're in, you know, they make trouble for their own backs. You know, FIFA, you know, they've got so many lawsuits coming out and, and, and you know, the the, the, the games, the, the World Cup in Qatar and, and all those things. You know, UEFA haven't got a great name themselves. And I think United and 
the other clubs are kind of sick of the, the, the formatting of, of 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 the way UEFA and FIFA have done it all. You, next year in the world is the World Cup in Qatar. The, the teams have to have a break in December because of the World Cup. But the, the World Cup should never have gone to Qatar. It, it wasn't, a, you know, in my opinion, it wasn't a fair fair vote. This is, you know, United have played every weekend since the beginning of this season has restarted. This is the first week since the beginning of the season where we haven't got a midweek game. And that's down to the Premier League, the, the EFL who do the, the, the Carabao Cup games, and UEFA and FIFA who do the Champions League games. We talk about, you know, the, the people are annoyed at United and City and Liverpool as being, you know, the clubs that have this history. And we do have a history. But as I said, the play, the, I still go to the games because I want to see us play Juventus, be that at men's or women's side. This uh, this idea of it going to ha- it's going to happen whether I, like I said whether we like it or not the women's aspect I think more details need to come out mm-hmm. because right now it's just a, a couple of lines in a statement and the the, the, the as I said there's a statement just come out saying players from the men's side won't be able to play in major tournaments or for their national team we all know in the women's game the national sides. Are, are big and mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of players will say hang on I want to play for Holland you know Jackie will say I still want to play for Holland you'll have Honor who who has aspirations of playing for Spain so you'll have all these players who will now having a, a decision to make whether they want to play against the best club teams in the world and not play for their national team anymore and that's why I think right now and, you know, as we said, it's changing minute by minute by minute. You might just find that the, the players now get involved and the players' unions get involved and say, this can't happen. They want to play for their countries in the World Cups. And without the best players playing in the World Cups, the competitions are nothing competition. Right. So when I look at the the women's side of like, uh, the first question I have is, it's like, okay, so if they do do a women's, European Super League, for lack of a better name, at this point, uh, the who's going to be invited um, it would be the first question. Because yeah. if if they have the same concept of founding members, then who's going to be the founding members? Because then, because let me give let me throw a year out. Two thousand seven, two thousand seven was the, was the last and only time an English team women's team won the women's Champions League was in 2007 that was Arsenal ever since the Champions League trophy has been traded between two countries Germany and France okay for the last 14 years now that may change this year because you have Chelsea Barcelona in the semifinals uh and that may you know that may change it but you still have PSG um you know you this year you're going to have a new champion who's never yeah. won the champion but Champions League before, which is, I think, huge for women yeah. women's football. I think it's absolutely huge to have one, you know, a new champion. Though, yes, it's great to have, you know, a, a five-time in a row champion in Leon, you know, and so forth. But then, you know, people do get sick of dynasties after a while, and they want yeah. the dynasty to fall um, and so forth. So then who gets invited? Because Leon, I mean, if you're talking about historical merit, then Leon's automatic. Um Let's see. And then you have Wolfsburg. 
and, and then you have crickets because I don't know who else you invite. You invite, I guess you invite Arsenal, you invite Chelsea, mm-hmm. or or and then you look at the fact that eleven the uh, eleven of the twelve members, eleven of the twelve members do have women's teams who are mm-hmm. playing in the top flight of their country currently. The only exception is Liverpool. They're playing in the championship. Yeah. They were in the WSL. Uh, and got relegated. Um, so, you know, the, the, that's the first detail is, is who gets invited and how. I think you're right in the sense that the 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 pro is more eyes on the game, which is what the women's women's football has been looking for. The opportunity for more money to be involved, which is what the game has been looking for. Again, though, the question that I go back to the question is in the detail that we don't know is how is it going to who gets to come in and on what grounds? Is it a closed system like they're proposing in in the Super League where it's basically some type of level of historical merit or basically your position on the Forbes list? Uh, Or is it, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, based on merit currently, but then you already have the Champions League? for that you already have the women's champions league for that for that so you know and then and then what of the the smaller leagues what of the the league competitions uh and pulling away from that which is the one of the big arguments on the on the men's side is this drains the the league competitions and makes them less important uh and so forth from from a financial perspective and a playing playing level perspective and so forth um and but the, my my whole argument, Mark, is going to be: Is it a closed system versus open system? Yeah, I would be all for it if it was an open system. <laughs> but you already have an open system. It's called the Champions League. It's called the Europa League. That's an open system where you earn your way into it, and then if you earn your way into it, you get the money that comes from it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's why that's why teams are teams are so set. We got to make the Champions League. Why? Because our balance sheet requires that we get the 66 million pounds for qualifying the Champions League. I made right. up that number. I'm not sure if that's true, but but that but we got to earn our way into it. Yeah. The Super right. League, you don't earn you've earned your way into it because you are on the Forbes list because of historical money and where it doesn't matter where your money came from. Yeah. Um I think what's telling about it, and uh, you know, we, we've said this before, Keith, is that you look at the, the founding, the twelve. There's three teams missing. We've all, you know, PSG, Bayern, and Borussia, all think, on the top twelve of the four yeah. list. Now, you, you know, we take Tottenham out of the, out of this because they're there because of, they've got the, the clash. Okay, yeah. they haven't got which we know. PSG, Bayern Munich are the current European champions. Okay, they're not going to be the champions this year because they, they got knocked out by, ironically, PSG. Bayern Munich, in my opinion, should be in this thing if it happens. But they're not. Right now, they're saying they don't want any part of it. The same as PSG do. But whereas Bayern Munich, whereas if I'm correct in this, the German clubs have an ownership of fans as well as an ownership of owners, PSG just have... The the, the other thing about this is that all of these other clubs have owners. The German teams do not. They have ownership of owners and they have ownership of fans as well. 
-hmm. And I think that's the telling thing. And that's, I think, why a lot of people in this country have got so upset about it is simply because it's as if the fans have been forgotten. And I agree that there's people out there who are saying that the Glazers just want more money so they can take more money out of the club and pull us more into debt. I get that, and I understand that point. And I, I kind of agree with it in principle. But as we stated at the very beginning of this whole thing, you want to play the biggest teams in the world. And the Champions League, and I'm sorry to say it, the Champions League isn't the Champions League. It should be renamed the best four teams in the league who can go into a cup competition. Because I'm a United fan. United finished fourth last season, but they still got into the Champions League. Tottenham finished in the Europa League spot. Liverpool won the Champions League. So, yeah, they should be in the Champions League as the reigning holders. They also won the English League. The, 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 the Champions League and the Europa League, they need to be redesigned to stop the potential of this Super League happening. As I said, I'm neither for it nor against it because it's going to happen whether I like it or not. Mm-hmm. But the whole, the whole thing about the clubs who are in it and the clubs who are not in it is, a, is, is, is part of the conversation. You know, Leon, as you said about the women's side, Leon are not going to be the champions in the Champions League final for the first time, and they're going to have a new final. You're going to be having a new Champions League winner in the women's side this year. Wolfsburg, they should be invited just because they've got the history in the women's game. In my, in my opinion, United don't need to be anywhere near this women's Super League in in this new format because we haven't got the pedigree. We're three years old, mm-hmm. yet part of the agreement will be. United have to go in it. Mm-hmm. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I will leave that for for cleverer people out there to debate and argue about. But as I said at the very beginning, for everyone who argues against the point, who are season ticket holders, they'll still be at the games to watch it happen. And I Regardless think, if it happens or not. <laughs> absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things that's, it's, it's bringing fans back into the forefront of the game where the fans should be. Mm-hmm. It's been 14 months since I last went to a competitive football match or even watched a competitive football match. And the timing of this announcement yesterday couldn't have come at a worse time because mm-hmm. we're not at the games. We, we can't have a voice. We're all stuck on computer screens and, and sending emails and texts and WhatsApps we don't have that voice. Most of really, you know, the Manchester United supporters trust, the Chelsea supporters trust. They've all released statements of propo- opposing it. And mm-hmm. I've, you know, I, I've read all the statements and, and they're looking after the supporters' interests. Well, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's going to happen whatever we say. Whether we like it or we don't, it, it'll either happen or it won't. I just think UEFA's meeting today, the, the announcement of the timing of this Super League and the, the Champions League reformatting for 2024, you might find that these clubs are involved in the reformation of it, and you might just find that it might just slowly go away. It might, it might not. I don't, we but, don't know. Well, in terms of the women's side, I mean, it, again, it's like there has, I mean, I you got a feeling the way this is set up that the agreement has to be that 
these founding members, regardless of whether or not they have a women's team's pedigree or not, are going to be allowed in in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and so so that 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 even worsens the scenario of they, these teams don't even have pedigrees and they're going to be in anyways. Um, so that that's you know that's one issue. My final word on this for for this this show is people talk about how greedy this is. I said, I get that. I get that. I get how greedy this is uh, and so forth. But this is collectivism at its finest. This is what it is. It's collectivism. So these group of people have created a co-op. This is a co-op where they come together to essentially share the big piece of pie or big pie they got. And then every now and then they'll throw a little piece to, to whoever gets invited and go from there. It's a, and they, it, it's designed as a collectivist pot where they uh, collectivize whatever pot they're going to get. That's what it is. All right. So is crony capitalism plus collectivism. UEFA and FIFA also brought this on themselves. Yeah, completely. They brought this on themselves. They, blew, they, they, they brought it on themselves. Part of the reason why they brought it on themselves, which has not been mentioned yet, or I haven't seen it, but probably will, is because they throw around terms like economic redistribution. And, and, and there's no set of words that American owners of football clubs hate the most is the idea of football economic redistribution. <laughs> they hate it. <laughs> Henry's, the Glazers, uh, Stephen Ross, who is not really involved with football, but he's he's friends with the with the Henrys and the and the Glazers, uh, and so forth. So it, that's the last thing they want to hear. They want a franchise model like they do in the NFL and the MLS, yeah. and, and so forth. Where basically no one you, you when you're in, you're in. You buy your way in, yeah. and you stay in, and you get all in, and then you get the piece of the collectivist piece of the pie of the TV deals and the merchandising rights and the, and, and, and everything else. Yeah. And actually that's a point that right now you can switch on your TV here in the UK, put on sky sports news and it's scrolling across the bottom, breaking news. But there's one thing I guarantee you the minute if this is, if this is fully announced, sky will be spending every penny they've got to buy it. <laughs> right. The TV but deal. The TV that's, deal. That's, because who won't want it? Right. Who, you know, in America, you have ESPN. They'll be fighting for it for the American side. Even Amazon, they might be fighting for it. Amazon, Fox, ESPN. Yeah. 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 I saw a very interesting tweet last night because Gary Neville, and, you know, I respect mm-hmm. Gary and what he says. Mm-hmm. He said what he said on Sky. Mm-hmm. But someone put out a tweet last night who said, but you won't be opposing it, Gary, if Salford were invited. Because you would be getting your piece, and actually, it, it's as if you, it's exactly what you said, Keith. If a smaller club is invited to get a hundred million, two hundred million pounds, whatever it may be, they're not going to go. Actually, uh, this player wants to play for England in two weeks. They're going to go two hundred million. That keeps us afloat for three years. We'll take it. We'll so take let me. The, mm-hmm. We'll take the flag, and that's it. And so this is the intriguing thing is going to be, because you mentioned the German clubs, the German clubs are run on a 50 plus one rule, which is basically that the majority of the ownership of the team is by the supporters. So they have actual members. Um, 
who then decide on how the club is run. You look at a team like Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund has lost millions and millions and millions and millions yeah. in during the pandemic because they've had no fans in the stands. Um, they may not make Champions League this coming this next season. Uh, they're looking at possibly having to sell their top players again uh, in order to even stay, potentially stay afloat because they've lost you know, 40 to 60 million euros um, so far. And it's getting worse because there's no fans in the stands uh, and so forth. It is, int- it is interesting from a philosophical perspective because what the offer is going to be on the table is, hey, you join us. Yeah. You are set. Yeah, I mean, I know your members are going to try to burn down Westfalen Stadium, but you know, but you you now out of debt. You don't have to sell Erlen Holland anymore. Yeah. You don't have to sell Jaden Sancho. You yeah. ma- matter of fact, you can go out and maybe buy some players. Yeah, absolutely. Now Bayern doesn't need the money. You said they're third on the list. Yeah, but a team like Dortmund, we, it's been talked about for months in the transfer window how much they need the money. Yeah, uh, and so forth. And by the way, Borussia Dortmund does have a women's team. They're going to be in the regional league. Uh, starting next year with the goal of eventually making the Bundesliga uh, Frauen. So um, just, you know, to stay on the women's side, but, but that I think from a philosophical perspective, because Dortmund is your, your true, you know, West German coal mining, you know, workers, supporters kind of scenario. Um, that, um, you know, that's going to be interesting. And I've heard a, a lot of that from Manchester as well. Uh, and that's where that that schism is uh, in place. So, Mark, we gotta we, as yeah. much as we can keep going on this, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Mark, for your no time and everything. It's been great discussion. I look forward to talking with Emma from the Man City Fancast about uh, her perspective uh, on this uh, on this issue coming up, and also Manchester City's got the basically a title decider against Chelsea coming up. Um, that's big in just a couple of days' time, so it's going to be huge. That's coming up on England is Burning later today. So, Mark, again, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Steve. And to wrap this up, everyone, you know, we're going to be talking about this Super League thing. It's an impact on the women's game, but in closing, we got to close for now. Uh, and just remember, everyone, the light is out there. Please acknowledge it. Let it be become part of you. Also acknowledge that the darkness is out there, but do not at all let it hug you under any circumstance. But if it does or even tries, get the help you need. Look out for yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. And England is burning is going to close for this morning. We will see you later. And thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one.